And welcome Henchman back to another action-packed episode of the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu brought to you by the Villains of Man, where myself, JVD, attempts to traverse the continuity of Marvel's most prolific martial artists in Shang-Chi and Iron Fist. If you want to keep up with the podcast, you can do so over on Twitter and Mastodon at Deadly Kung Fu Pod, or you can keep up with the episodes wherever you follow the Villains of Man on social media. If you're new to the podcast, what I like to do is give you a synopsis of the issues that I'm covering and then take a break. Then I kind of jump into what I like and dislike and maybe some good things and bad things about issues that I've covered. Now today here on the podcast we're in the middle of the Golden Dagger saga within Master of Kung Fu. This is an eight part story so I do urge you to listen to the episode before this and then go two episodes back after that and listen to what is basically a prelude to this Golden Dagger story here with Shang-Chi. Now, today I'm covering Master of Kung Fu 46 and 47, and I'm glad I stopped at the last part of this story because it ended on a good cliffhanger. Well, these two issues end on a good cliffhanger as well. Also, the interesting thing about these is where I stopped, these issues pick up as they're told through the perspective of a different agent. 46 is told through the perspective of Clive Reston, and Master uh, 47 is told through the perspective of Lego, so that's pretty cool. And I'm assuming that uh, the next issues will probably get uh, maybe Larner because he's part of this story. Uh, Philo Sue is part of this story. Uh, we know that um, Blackjack Tar has been injured and he's still at MI6 with Smith. Maybe those, and maybe even Fu Manchu himself. Uh, Shang-Chi's a guy I'm hoping we don't get anything through his perspective because every story is through his perspective up to this point but um we're gonna go ahead and jump into number 46 titled a spider spell the creative team for the story is always doug um, as writer and paul on pencils uh the inker is pablo marcos the colorist is petra goldberg the letterers are the team of gaspar saladino and joe rosen and the editor is archie goodwin the cover for this book was done by Ron Wilson and Jack Abel. Under the bright light of a dark room, Reston recalls his tale to a man he can't see about what happened in Switzerland. Upon follow Sue's boat, Clive Reston gains consciousness, but continues to act as if he had not. So Herbert Griswold argues with Fu Manchu's daughter about killing Reston, but she dismisses the ideas because she has uses for him. Philo Sue calls on a massive sumo wrestler named Chankar, to take him to a cell below deck. Instead of risking being caught, Rustin leaps up and dives off the boat and is immediately fired upon by Oriental Expediter Henchman. From the shore, Shang-Chi and Liko Wu hear the, and see the muzzle fire and panic. They rush to Griswold's estate and take his car through the mountains hoping to reach the other side of the lake before Philo Su does. As they race through the winding roads, Rustin jumps from the bushes to warn them of the Oriental Expediter caravan not too far ahead of them, heading for the other side of the lake. As they reach the top of the mountain, they watch as the caravan crosses the gorge to the next mountain, where there is an airport. Rustin mentions they need to stop Philo Sue from getting to the Arctic before Fu Manchu makes a grim joke about killing her. Despite the divide between him and his sister, this angers Shang-Chi, which almost brings the two to blows if not for Liko interfering. She reminds them there's more at stake and that there are three keys Fu Manchu needs to gain power that allow him to rule the world and it is up to them to stop him. 
Meanwhile, the Devil Doctor's henchmen pry the oyster open to find a massive pearl inside, as he is informed that Shockwave fell while working as a mo in his daughter's operations. Fu Manchu cares little about the henchmen and is more curious about the pearl. He orders it to be broken, only to reveal a skull inside which he refers to as his ancestor. Back in Luswain, Reston decides to split up from the lovers and hopes at least one of them can stop Fu Manchu's daughter from leaving. As he sneaks around the area, he finds himself ambushed by Chankar, who beats him unconscious. Brought before Philo Su, she places him under the control effects of Mimosa as her henchmen lure Shang-Chi and Liko into a trap. She orders her brother's death, but wants the agent captured due to having information on her father's plans. Shang-Chi and Liko are lured into the trap across the bridge by his sister's henchmen. As they race to a helicopter, they are confronted by Chankar, who Shang-Chi seems powerless against. As Shang-Chi uses a dishonorable attack to defeat the massive sumo, Liko sees Philo Su take Reston into the plane terminal. With armed henchmen after them, both of them head down the cliff side to set a trap for themselves. Inside the terminal, Reston is thrown into a pit to fend off a horde of large spiders. Once he's killed them off, Philo Su enters and orders him to kiss her, then forget everything. She then has him taken to the helicopter, where she tells the men to leave Reston behind. This drives him mad as he begs the Daughter of Darkness to take him with her. When she ignores him, the agent begs one of her henchmen, who is boarding, to take him aboard as well. The henchman whispers for him to stop, or that will blow their cover. Reston's mind recognizes the voice as Liko's, as she and Shang-Chi has disguised themselves as henchmen to take off with Philo Su. Then he falls unconscious. The next thing Reston remembers was Griswold's men found him alone on the mountain crying about Philo Su leaving him behind, and they find a tattoo of a spider on his chest. As the lights come back on, Black Jack Tar is watching his fellow agent along with two interrogators who pass him for not being under mind control, which he thanks them and passes out on the spot. Moving on to Master Kung Fu number 47, titled Phantom San. Doug and Paul are back with writing and pencils, Pablo Marcos, as your inker, Hugh Paley is your colorist, letters go to Joe Rosen, and the editor once again is Archie Goodwin. The cover is done by Dave Cockrum. On Follow Sue's aircraft, the Oriental expediters begin to unmask. Before their cover is blown, look befall Shang-Chi and Liko Wu as they are ordered to relieve the pilots, giving them the opportunity to radio in their location to MI6. Smith greets them as he had just come out of his coma, informing them of the situation at headquarters. With his scientists attempting to break Fu Manchu's programming over Petrie's mind, Smith orders Reston and Larder to head to the Arctic while Tar prepares to be back up. As the aircraft lands, the Oriental expediters are ordered to suit up in thermal gear. Realizing their identities are about to be exposed, Shang-Chi and Liko wait for all the henchmen to disembark before unmasking and attacking Philo Su and Griswold. As the two make a daring escape, one of the Oriental expediters throws a grenade at them. Ligo quickly tosses it back, killing some of the henchmen and scattering the rest as she and her lover flee. Meanwhile, in his arctic base, Fu Manchu assembles the skeleton of his long-dead ancestor and is now ready to resurrect him. His security informs him they have discovered an aircraft flying to their location, which then he orders to be shot down. Unknown to him, it's Reston and Larner heading to Ligo's coordinates. Before the two agents crash, they send their location back to MI6. 
Meanwhile, Shang-Chi and Liko trail his sister Griswold and what's left of their henchmen. As the Arctic Circle is set up in a cycle of six months of daylight, both sides decide to set up camp. The next day, Follow Sue discovers the crashed MI6 ship and captures Reston and Warner. Before they can be killed, Fu Manchu launches rockets from his mountain base as his death angels, Seafan assassins with jetpacks, descend on his daughter's forces. During the battle, Griswold attempts to turn on Philo Sue and is shot as their forces are defeated. As what left of the Oriental Expediter's henchmen join back with Fu Manchu's men, his daughter is forced to join Shang-Chi and MI6. The Daughter of Darkness and Larner take shelter in a cave to wait for Tar as the other three infiltrate her father's base. Knowing that she's going to need MI6's help, Philo Sue tells Larner of Fu Manchu's plan to throw the moon out of orbit. Back at MI6, Ducharme is on her radio warning Fu Manchu that Smith is aware of his location. The Devil Doctor seems not to care as he is pleased his most loyal aide's deceit has worked so well over the decades. Hello world, it's time to open the green door and enter the strongest podcast there is, a month, Russell and I dive into the history of the Incredible Hulk in comics, film, TV, games, and more. That's right, Justin, and we rate and review all the Jade Giants media, good and not so good, with a smash or a gamma clap. And we put on the rant pants when, when we, we just And join us on Patreon to get exclusive bonus podcasts, prizes, and more at patreon.com forward slash Gamma Charge Hulk Podcast. We will see you real soon, Gamma Beasts. Stay green. Gamma Charge. The strongest podcast there is. And welcome back to the Deadly Podcast Kung Fu, brought to you by the villains and myself, JVD. As I'm diving in to the second part of the Golden Dagger Saga and Master of Kung Fu. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, issue 46 is uh, basically told through the story of uh, Clive Reston. And 47 is told through the story of Liko Wu. Um, the Liko Wu one doesn't really add anything to the story. It's kind of just bland. But in 46 with Clive Reston, it's pretty cool because... Um, we know what's happened to him with uh, being mind-controlled, and he's basically being interrogated and had these tests ran on him to see if he's still mind-controlled as he's telling that story. And I really like that. I think that's a pretty cool narrative for the story. But overall, uh, this story has been great. Uh, I can't wait to read the next two issues of that, record them, and do the next two episodes. But it's just great. Like I said, if you're a fan of spy movies and espionage and you love martial arts, like this story for Master of Kung Fu has been awesome. Now, the uh, there is an issue with the cover of 46, which we have the sumo chopping Chong-Chi and they're on a wooden bridge. Uh, the sumo looks nothing like uh, Chinkara in the book at all. I don't know if that's an editor's mistake or they's like, well, why don't we just call him sumo because it's kind of like a, a villain nickname. Um, and, but his real name is Shankar, but they don't even look remotely close at all. Um, Shankar looks ripped, like, he's solid, like, he's, he's bulky like the Kingpin, pretty much. 
Um, but uh, I guess he's supposed to be a parallel to Fu Manchu's tack. Uh, but it, he's far more dangerous and far more formidable to Shang-Chi. He, they meet, and Shang-Chi's punching him, and he's just no-selling nothing. So then he backhands Shang-Chi, and Shang-Chi's pretty much like, all right. So they do the back of the hand against the back of the hand, kind of like you would see in a martial arts movie. Like, they're going to fight. And uh, when they do, Chakra, he f goes to punch him, and Shang-Chi takes a knee and literally punches him right in the cock and balls. And uh, he doubles over. It's very Frank Dukes from Bloodsport. And then uh, he kicks him off the cliff. And what I'm going to assume kills a man. I could be wrong. Shang-Chi's known to take a lot of punishment for a uh, vanilla human. But uh, vanilla human, that's powerless human. If you don't know like Heroclix terms or anything like that. Uh, and that's it. We never see the the Chankar back, the sumo, if that's what you want to call him. We never see him again. Now, what I love about issue 46 is it really starts to build up the rivalry between uh, Reston and Shang-Chi that was mentioned in the last episode. Now, um, when he shows up and they pick him up, uh, Liko's like, Clive, thank God you're all right. I was afraid. And she, he says, stuff it, Liko. You weren't very concerned about my welfare back in Griswold's uh, chalet. When you chose to save Chi's life after mine, so we could tell right there, he's very bitter. Then Legal responds, but Clive, that's not fair. And then he kind of ignores him. And then she makes the, uh, he makes the joke about killing Falu so when they're chasing him. I don't think he's joking at all. I really think he, he says, you know, if we had a couple grenades or standing on this cliff, we could drop him on and be finished. And he's right. That would be the very smart thing to do. That would be what he would do to want to take her out. This pisses Shang-Chi off, and he's not having none of it. And because it's his sister, regardless, he at this point, it seems like Shang-Chi thinks he could still redeem his sister, and he's basically forgotten about his father. And it pisses him off, and I really thought they were going to fight each other. But Liko gets cooler heads to prevail and steps in between it. So eventually these two are going to come to blows, and I can't wait for that. It is literally probably my best favorite thing about these Master of Kung Fu books since Clive Reston was introduced. Like I said, he's the son of James Bond, the great nephew of Sherlock Holmes. I mean, who wouldn't want to be? Like, this guy's suited for Henry Cavill. I know people want him to play Hyperion or The Century or Captain Britain, which I'm cool with Captain Britain. But, man, Clive Reston, the next Shang-Chi movie, if they wanted to go that route, would be perfect. Um, next, we, we, we continue on with Reston here, and uh, he gets captured when he splits up after the him and Shang-Chi come face-to-face. -face. And uh, we see some of the mimosa, some of the Fu Manchu chemicals that brings her under control. And basically... It, she controls his physical being, but his mind is his own. He just can't speak what he wants. He is at her beck and call. And uh, she uses this to his advantage later on uh, to basically throw Smith and them kind of off her tail because they're more concerned about him being a spy. Now, I'm assuming um, a part of this calls an illusion and these spiders that we've seen weren't real. Because uh, he kills them all and she shows up and there's no corpses. And I think this is what gave them time for her to mark him. Hence, uh, we get the name of the story, the uh, the spider spell. Because the spider is the mark of uh, Philo Sue. And, and I really like this because uh, we're seeing, we, we just realized Petrie was mind controlled. And he's a guy that kind of really started a lot of this. And now, you know, Philo Sue thinks, hey, you know, I can play this card with him to kind of get MI6 off my back a little while I try to take over everything from my father. I don't really like this. And then um, this is a callback to her first appearance 
where she's going after the earrings in the pyramid, uh, when she leaves Clive, much like we see with one of um, Sir Dennis Nathan Smith's old friends, it drives him crazy when she leaves. They, like they, They're just so obsessed with her. And uh, we get to see more of that here, and it was really cool. And I really like Clive's point of view from the storytelling. Like I said, Liko's is just kind of flat. Now, we know this great power here. Uh, Fu Manchu is after is his ancestor, and Liko says there's three keys, and uh, we don't know where the keys are, but we know he finds one, and she says that one of them is on a tropical island, and when we find the the uh, oyster or clam, whichever it may be, I think it's an oyster, when it's open, this pearl's huge, just way bigger than the oyster is in the picture, and when Fu Manchu shatters it, it's a skull. That's all it is, is a skull. It doesn't really give us much, but... Um, to quote Fu Manchu here, um, let's see what he says. Okay. Yes, at last, my glorious ancestor, we meet. In the wisdom of your descendants and closer, and my closer ancestor was fated that we should be reunited. It was he who first discovered the elixir of vitality, or the elixir of immortality. Uh, he who met death, not in age, but through the violent deceit of the West, who planned... That you should be the key to the future of my continued life and to the salvation of the world. So Fu Manchu, and I'm going to assume as this goes on in the next issue, um, Fu Manchu has a complete skeleton. So I'm assuming that all three parts were basically to form this skeleton. And basically what he's going to do is he's going to resurrect his ancestor as in a rebirth of like his new son and this is going to be his new child since he's basically foregone and you know cursed Shang-Chi to not ever be his son again and uh, you would think that this is going to lead into a confrontation between these two because Shang-Chi as long as he's been alive and we've seen Fu Manchu save him from other villains Fu Manchu's like you know I will be the one that kills him at my choice and time so now he has this new son makes too much sense for a sibling rivalry to come out of this and i'm very excited about that this shaka karn as he's called man i really wish they'd come up with some better names for these guys so um now this story the this two-part story ends in a really good spot and basically we really find out do charme as a spy as we found out in the last one but she's not a spy for smith she's a spy for fu manchu she's been loyal this entire time it's a great trump card to end on this book and uh, much like how philo sue throws off smith with you know making them think clive Reston is my control fu manchu kind of does that with petrie because they're so focused on breaking the programming Fu Manchu put on Petrie that Ducharme is just really good at lying and everybody thinks she's happy to be there and that she's glad that she's free and she's just playing everyone and uh at the end of the issue when she we see her uh communicate to Fu Manchu that everything is basically according to plan so it's pretty cool that uh Fu Manchu and Philo Su are both playing Smith and using their own agents against them as decoys so they can further their own plots. And I think that's really awesome. Now, how Ducharme gets out of this? I have absolutely no clue. She might just stay there forever because Smith literally believes that she's been working for him for decades now. What was it, 40 years for the last one? So, uh, yeah, she's been working for him for a long time. He's got no reason not to trust her unless he looks basically at what Petrie's become. 
So, uh, some parts to bring up here. We get a new wardrobe between issues. It's weird. Shang-Chi's in his gi. Liko's in her normal getup for, like, the motorcycle. And then, uh, we know they jump some henchmen and they take on their disguises. But they have brand new wardrobe that none of the henchmen we've seen on the cliff with them had on. Like, Shang-Chi's basically got a very, uh, suited up fancy version of his own gi on. But it's not a gi. It's all, like, leathers. He's wearing, like, knee-high boots. Like, where did you find this? Like, why is this happening? And that's the problem with the story's pacing. Um, like, we're going from Switzerland to the Arctic Circle and back to London with all these agents and whatnot, and the timing is way off the book. You get no sense of how, how fast this is taking place or if there's any gap at all. It's just almost instant, bam, 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 and it's really confusing for the reader. And sadly enough, you know, I've got four more issues to cover, and hopefully eventually this catches up to itself where everything's kind of in its same time frame uh, when everybody gets caught up. Now, there was a, if you ever watch Adventure Brothers, excellent show. Uh, if you're into adult humor, perfect. It's on Cartoon Network. It's a classic of Adult Swim. You'll actually love it. When everybody gets close to Fu Manchu's mountain fortress, uh... He sends out the sea fan assassins he calls the Death Angels, which kind of reminded me of the Monarch's fluttering horde. Even though they don't have the wings, but they're flying around on jetpacks and they have guns. Very Hydra-like, if anything. And I don't even know why Fu Manchu is not a member of Hydra, really, based on a lot of what we see. But that's the cool thing about this uh, series so far, is it's really staying away from everything in Marvel, and it's been its own thing. And maybe that's due to, you know, the uh, Saxon Roman rights and whatnot, that it has to be its own thing, and you really can't bring in outside characters that influence everything in the story. So that's a good thing, and I really like that. It's own, it's, its own unique, uh, self-contained story, even though we know that Shang-Chi has already met Spider-Man and Iron Fist at this point, who are mainstay Marvel characters at the time. Now, uh, as I wrap this up, there's a big moment in this book. Uh, I mentioned that they hit the uh, half a year of daytime while they're in the Arctic Circle and they break camp. Well, Shang-Chi and Liko break off in a cave by themselves. They have no equipment, nothing to keep them warm but their clothes and each other. And uh, they're kind of talking about how strong each other's spirits are. They get closer. And basically, Liko tells him to shut up and kiss her. And then it gets darker and darker and fades to black. So it sounds like our hero got laid, he became a man, left his boyhood, because we know he's about 20 years old. The thing is, how old's Liko? Is she a cougar? We know that she's younger than almost everybody in uh, MI6, even resting by uh, what we've learned about the character. But uh, apparently he gets laid, so good for him. Maybe he thought about Sandy back in uh, Giant Size number 2. Now the thing is, she questions his love at the end of 47 as they enter the fortress about how strong his spirit is, and she questions her love. So has she already made this mistake by giving it up to him, and it, or is that going to make Shang-Chi weak because maybe she's realizing that there's a lot ahead that he needs to focus on, or maybe it's going to give him the focus he needs. Uh, that seems to be the, the thing with him in this storyline is he's realized that he actually does love Liko, and that, you know, he does care and he's sorry that he broke her heart, you know, issues back. And maybe this is him wanting to protect her because she's out here with him and she's the only guy that he's got, you know, to start kicking ass with all these henchmen. But, uh, like I said, great story. I can't wait to finish this. Uh, my only complaint right now is the, the pacing, like the timing. London to Switzerland to the Arctic Circle like this stuff should be taking hours and it's almost like it's instantaneously especially when we see Larner and uh, Reston arrive at the Arctic Circle all the way from London 
So it kind of blows my mind. But I'm very curious for the next issue. It is in the uh, for, through the narrative of Black Jack Tar. I really like Black Jack Tar. He's probably my second favorite MI6 agent. And I'm very curious to how his point of view is as the story progresses. But I'm going to wrap up this episode of the Deadly Podcast Kung Fu. You can follow the podcast on Twitter or Mastodon at Deadly Kung Fu Pod or wherever you follow Villains Man on Twitter. If you like my music, check out Russian Tiger by Kuro over on SoundCloud. But remember, guys, support your favorite podcast, support your local comic book shops, and keep reading comics, guys. Oh!